Welcome to Multifamily Live. I'm Kaylee Yarusi. And I'm Jason Yarusi. Our mission is to help you unlock your full potential as a multifamily real estate investor. So you can do more deals, bigger deals, with less stress, keep more profit, and free up your time. Multifamily doesn't have to be a mystery. It's time to go live. So welcome back to the Jason and Kaylee Project. We are excited for our guest today, Daniel Scheiber. Hey, Daniel, how you doing? Good, Jason. How are you? Good. And sometimes it's hard because I ask a question and I get so much content before. I am so lucky this was recording. So because we're going to have a great talk today. And so Daniel established his career in metals and mining finance as an analyst for Stabilitas Group of Funds in 2005. In 2009, co-founded Euroscandic International Group, where he raised upwards of $350 million in project financing for specific development projects in the mining sector. 2011 to 15, he pivoted to Canadian-based farmland investments where he became chief investment officer at uh, Dynamis, I hope that I said that correctly, Capital Corp, which focuses on long-term recession-proof investments with the emphasis on gold and silver. So ultimately, Daniel, just incredible. And you know, you know what strikes me about your bio is that there's so much talk about Really, and I think it comes into the into the narrative here with with COVID this year, right? Um, it became important so much about you know grocery stores, just the emphasis, like people rushing out to get things that they thought were in short supply. But there's been such a um, a a thing about farms and farmers in general that that they were going bankrupt. And it's just such a a poor. Uh, investment because farmers can't make ends meet to keep up over the years, right? So, so what was it that drew you into farmlands in particular, and and how has that um, really driven your investment philosophy today? Certainly, um, Jason. You know, farmland is means to me food. Yeah, uh, it's a basic need, of course, food and water, shelter. Um, but on the food side of things, you you have to uh, have some big tracts of land, big tracts of farmland to make the, the combines work. And in 2013, um, my partner and I went and, and uh, discovered that the farmland in Saskatchewan was the very well-priced uh, land and, um, and the average age of the farmer is also growing, you know, the average age of the farmer. And, it's, and it applies to the U.S. as well, by the way. Um, you know, the average age of the farmer is 55 plus and the younger farmers, they don't really want to stay at the farm because it's a hard life. And uh, they go into the city and then they do something else. But uh, the dwindling age of the farmers is one thing that makes, you know, uh, the existing farmers need a bigger tract of land um, and in order to use their combines. And, and uh, so my business back then was to uh, buy the land and lease it to the farmers. Uh, for them to have a more of a critical mass. Um, but, you know, it's very important, and that's something that we haven't really seen yet, um, the full impact of, Jason, is the uh, disruption in the, in the food supply chains. Uh, like you pointed out, COVID hit like a, like a bus. Uh, everybody ran to the store for toilet paper and the other, the other stuff, masks and... Um, but I don't think people are paying too much attention to, to the food supply side of things. Um, you know, that's, that's very important. And, and, you know, right now what you're having is an increase in prices for food. You know, my, my wife works at a, uh, one of the two top uh, the organic distributors of food here in, uh, in Canada. 
on the west coast and um and she tells me you know the pricing of the of the vegetables and fruits is uh, is slowly increasing and that's natural i mean it's very very easy to understand why that's happening you know there's uh, like i was telling you earlier there's an expansion of the money supply out there uh, that's money supply is chasing the same amount of goods and the Austrian School of Economics tells you that if you have an expanding amount of money supply chasing the same amount of goods, it's not driven by demand, the price inflation, but driven by the amount of money chasing the same goods. So um, that's something to look for, for sure, is, is the money supply, uh, sorry, um, uh, the, uh, the chain distribution chains of, of food and, and where they come from, land and, uh, and other things are going to be good to monitor. Now, you said it, it was well-priced farmland. In, in capacity to what? What was it that, that you drew that connection that it's well-priced compared to the value that you're seeing for, for other sites that were deemed residential commercial? Is that what you were looking at? No, it was it was more to do with um, the the fact that Saskatchewan-based farmland was was um, only open to Saskatchewan residents up to 2003, and um, and uh, apples to apples comparison with the United States farmland in the, uh, the farming states was about a tenth of the price. So, to give you an example. We were able to buy a, a very good acre of land for about five hundred dollars, <laughs> an acre. Wow! Yeah. You know? And um, I mean, I would do that every day. Now I think you're you're buying it for fifteen or two thousand or two thousand five hundred. Um, but owning land is is a very important part, of course, like we already mentioned, for being able to provide food for the world. You know, and you talk about that supply effort there. It comes back. I, I, I had opened the brewery back in um, late, uh, like 2007, 2008. And one of the things that was constantly difficult to gauge, of course, is supply and demand, right? So you, you brew a beer, it's not ready tomorrow, right? So it's three, four weeks out. And, and as a farmer, you know, one of the things right now is as your, your, your resources change so dramatically from season to season and then COVID hit, hits and you have things that really shake things up, right? And it puts you into high demand, but you, you can't keep up on that narrative, right? You can't keep up because if, if someone wants five times the amount of, um, you know, corn you've produced for the last five years, it's not like you can say, okay, no problem. We'll, we'll have that out to you next week, right? You've missed that part. So you, you're, it's one of the biggest needs, but hardest things to to truly gauge from from a farmer who's just being a mom and pop, right? So if you if you have ways that you you know you're trending, most of these are generational farmers that have passed this down and passed this down, and it's that grind, and that's where. I, I can find and can see why the younger generation says, you know, I see this has just been so, I just such hard work, you know, and so, so they miss the value, the importance of it. So it starts to really crunch on that supply level, right? And so I could see why it, the, the resources have become so limited. How do you see the food industry overall? Where do you see the spaces that, that really are lacking in terms of disruption right now? Because I can think of a few, but I'd love to hear your context. Yeah, you know, well, uh, recently there's been a bit, an increase in, in um, attention to plant-based uh, food uh, sources. Um, you know, Vancouver um, and the Canadian Stock Exchange have been, uh, have been uh, places for incubation of new things, you know, uh, on the market. 
and that's why I'm here. I actually grew up in, in Latin America and I moved here when I was 18. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy to pay my taxes here. I, I have fewer potholes and I feel safe. Uh, but I do miss my home country, Guatemala. You know, the people are very warm. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, food-based uh, uh, companies have been popping up here on the venture exchange, meaning just micro caps, uh, penny stocks. Um, but they have gotten a lot of attention. Um, so I think um, millennials as a whole are, are um, you know, having a, a little bit more emphasis on their health and, um, and they're starting to realize that, you know, plant-based situations are, are a good thing, uh, not only for consumption, but, um, but for investing as well. Um, you know, I, um, I invested in a 2000 uh, hectare plot of land in, in Cambodia. And um, that's been a very interesting investment for us because, again, uh, the, the upside from that comes from the capital appreciation of the land. Since you are real estate investors, you understand that portion. And of course, you know, um, the small production of rice that comes from it is, is also interesting. But what we've done there is we've installed a 100 ton per day mill for rice. Uh, so it turns the paddy rice into yasmin rice. and uh, it takes the husks away and then you can export it. Uh, rice is not, uh, I mean, it's uh, the, the, the world's largest staple. Um, uh, and we're about to get into other investments that have to do with uh, cashews because cashews are very hard to grow um, and um, they only grow in certain locations around the world. However, everything that uh, vegan eats is uh, cashew based. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I was drinking cashew milk the other day and I um, usually typically had almond milk and I was like, I really, I think I like the cashew milk better. Yes. <laughs> it has a very natural sweet flavor to it and it's, uh, you know, it's smooth. So yeah, you're not wrong. How are you identifying these markets, right? Because even, even for us investing out of state, one of the bigger questions, um, you know, now, now we've actually moved to a state where we, we invest, which is interesting, less of a conversation, but they're, they're trying to understand how we're identifying the opportunities a thousand miles away from where we were. So when you look at, at these opportunities across the world, is it driven by the product? So right now you're saying rice is the driver. So that's why Cambodia stand out, stood out or was Cambodia the driver and then rice with the resource you used to be attractive? Um, no, it always starts the other way around, Jason. Uh, it always starts with people. Um, you know, any investment that you make, you invest in the people, not not the actual um, project, <laughs> yeah. uh, because a, a good management can make any project work. Um, so so what how we got to to that area of the world is we hooked up with uh, a couple of fund managers in Thailand, uh, mm -hmm. very successful Thai man uh, fund managers out of Thailand. They I think their fund is two billion, and um, and and they had these private investments in in the Mekong region. Um, so surrounding the Mekong Delta, which Cambodia part, falls part of. And, um, and so we looked at the, uh, the Cambodian component of it, uh, the rice, and uh, I thought, you know, what a wonderful thing. And it was a private investment. We're going to be bringing this uh, to the public market so that it has uh, some sort of um, portfolio worthiness, mm -hmm. right? They need to be able to 
report to their shareholders or to their unit holders what the investment is doing, how it's progressing and so on. And, and when it's private, you know, you don't always get that um, real transparency, let's say, in, in, uh, in, in the development of the value. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's one of the things that we're trying to do is, is we're trying to identify um, these gems, you know, that sit maybe in, in a public, um, sorry, in a private uh, situation that we can bring out to the public so that there's not only, you know, so that more people can, can participate in, in, these, uh, in these opportunities. Yeah, I'm curious. We're actually uh, my wife grew up in Hawaii, so we're we're entertaining um, some Ag Five land there, and um, just be able to lease it back to the farmers, right? And it's always that identifying factor because it gets full cycle, right? Because when you can do an investment, so I'll just take it back to the apartments, right? If I can go to the apartments and make them a better community for people to live in, it ultimately now helps the property to perform better, which makes the community even happier, but also produces the returns that that you're looking for, right? So it's a full cycle on that. Now taking yeah. this back, I could. I, I, we could run with this, but I want to make sure we touch on, on the gold and silver aspect, right? The, the metals, because people today with, with just, I, I heard, you know, this morning, um, GameStop, GameStop, which basically was, you know, everybody, uh, you know, said it's dead on arrival. It's going to be, um, you know, block, but another blockbuster It's being driven, though, by people that are entry into new entries in the market. You have things like Robinhood and it allows you to be so accessible that they're just driving with, with really no basis, just pushing this forward because of just everybody else is saying like a fear of missing out. Gold and metal is something that's been lasting for a time right now. And I, I constantly hear it trying to be equated or knocked down at, at, compared to crypto today, right? And so some of the parts that lies for that, what is it for you that stands out that this is a, um, just, it, it's highly important within your investment strategy and why other people listening should definitely understand why you're doing it and take note. Um, no, that's a good intro to, to gold and silver. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we want to have something to show for our savings and our earnings. And um, that is currently being eroded, of, eroded at a very fast pace. You know, every dollar that we put into our bank account is being eroded by the fact that there's being more money of the same kind being printed and just printed. Um, I was looking at the uh, M4 money, 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 money supply here um, stats and, you know, in December, it just took off. That, that tracks, you know, how much more um, liquidity is pumped into the system. And um, uh, for, for many of you that um, would like to read that, that's on the website for the Center of Financial Stability, okay? Um, you can track... Uh, money supply increases and decreases there over time. So anyways, without getting too economic uh, on, on you, what, what I'd like to say is gold and silver are, have been stores of wealth for, for millennia. And, um, and uh, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency have had a great run. There is no saying where that, where that could go. Uh, it could go to 100,000 for all I care. But at the end of the day, uh, we're holding in our hand air, you know. Um, what you've been trained to do, what I've been trained to do is, is have something physical, something tangible 
something to rely on, something cash flowing, something that we can say, okay, well, this will absolutely not be worthless. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's not that gold is worth $2,000 today. It just means that it takes $2,000 of fiat paper to buy the same ounce of gold. So it's mm -hmm. not like it's become more valuable. Okay. Um, it's just the representation in dollar terms of what this ounce is now worth uh, or cost. It's really interesting you put it that way, right? Because we usually think of it the other way around, you know, and we forget that, um, you know, it's just fiat. It's just it's just paper that that at, at any you know it's it's the strongest now, but but in in a hundred years it could be almost obsolete, right? And we forget about that narrative here. And when we think about gold, saying it's gold is still the same gold. It's just now what's equated to be the value to to have that gold right now today. Exactly, exactly. And um, so, so I think part of everybody's healthy portfolio, let's say, uh, belongs a certain part of physical gold, a uh, certain part of uh, silver. I like silver a lot because it has an industrial application too. So there's a, a further demand to it than just the store of wealth. Um, and, uh, and I also like the denomination of silver because, you know, a silver coin costs you today 25, 26, 27 dollars. And if you were going to use that as a mode of uh, trade, which might never happen, um, but it's more of a, an easier thing to do than you showing up with a gold coin of an ounce that's worth $2,000. Yeah, sure. I'll buy everything in the shop, you know. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm not saying that we're ever going to reverse to a, an archaic way of being uh, based on our monetary system being based on gold and silver physical. However, I do believe that um, the, the financial uh, state of the world right now with the amount of indebtedness is going to cause some serious problems uh, and, um, and we need to be protected and, and it's just a hedge. Yeah? So gold, silver, I would say 10 to 20% of, of, um, of um, the net worth should be put into those things. And there's ways you can do it. You know, with your broker account, you can, you can buy the uh, gold-backed ETFs. You can buy the silver-backed ETFs. Yep. Uh, that's a very popular way of doing it. Uh, if you don't want to hold the gold and, and, and have the fear of, of owning this thing physical. I still like to own physical gold because it's nice to have it in your hand and weigh it. Um, and, and of course, you know, um, there's ways of getting leverage to gold, and that is by participating and owning the companies that produce it for a, for a lesser cost. And um, so you can do your research or you can also uh, own the gold um, indexes. Um, and they usually deal with the large caps and the, the more established gold producers around the world. Um, <clears throat> what I like to do in, 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 in my profession is, is to identify the small companies that are exploring for gold or expanding their production, expanding their resources and ounces on the ground. Um, I am a CEO of a company called Gold Haven and uh, our symbol is GHVNF on the OTCQB and GOH on uh, the Canadian Stock Exchange. And um, We've had phenomenal success since I joined October 20th. We are almost at three times um, where we were. Um, and um, we're fully funded and we're going to be exploring in Chile uh, in the Maracunga belt. And in this belt, 
there's been a hundred million ounces of gold discovered in the last 10 years. And uh, so you can do the math. That's a hundred times 2000. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, and, it's a good uh, day for a lot of people right there. Yeah. 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 So it's, um, you know, and it's usually the big corporations like Kinross and Goldfields and Barrett that, that own those projects. Yeah. Uh, we're a tiny little guy over there, 38 million market cap uh, poking holes. And, um, but that's, I would like to say that is only a, a portion of what I recommend a person um, uh, invest, uh, you know, in, in this speculative side of things. That's exciting, right? Because it's, um, you know, your upside is much bigger. Yeah. Um, for example, you know, in the campaign of drilling that we're going to have in, in two weeks from now, you know, the multiples can be tenfold of, of where we are. Yeah, sure. But, but, but for security, uh, you know, a well-balanced portfolio is always uh, the most important thing. So um, there you go, Jason. I don't know if it's long-winded, but, um, but it, the, the reason I love gold and silver is because it, it ensures that, that um, I'm getting something from my dollars in today's, uh, you know, dwindling um, value for, for our currencies. You know, and we we talked a little bit before this here, and uh, just hit the mic there if you got a little uh, reverbance. And the struggle that that's apparent for so many people that were were ill prepared, um, just in general, but COVID really accelerated that approach, right? Um, for you, what other things besides, of course, setting a setting a narrative where you could have the speculative investments, but you also want to have some some influence in terms of, of real, you know, gold, silver. What are some other steps for someone listening today that's just trying to take a step in a positive direction to, to control their preservation of wealth in the future? What other things can you suggest to someone listening right now? Um. You know, I would right now. I would focus on on um, on some cash flow. Um, you know, the first thing that got disrupted when COVID hit was cash flow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people losing their jobs, uh, tenants leaving, um, things like that. Um, and so, if you can find a a, a good business uh, that offers cash flow that is normally not. Um, affected by these type of situations and you're you're great yeah so you know things like um you know uh housing uh you know reasonably priced let's say uh, usually work um because in in times of trouble <clears throat> you know people still need to have a place to live uh farming like we already touched on is a very important one um, you know, own the land, lease it. That's a great idea. Um, you know, I like uh, gold and silver royalty streams because if you um, if you buy the royalties, you don't have much of the operational risk. You just buy cash flow, um, but you're buying cash flow in gold. Okay, so there's several companies out there that does that uh, does this type of thing. The the biggest one being um, uh, the Wheaton. Uh, group, um, and then there's Sandstorm, and and then there's a couple others. Um, so if you Google just gold streaming company or gold royalty companies, you'll 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 find a couple. Um, 
But yes, I, I would concentrate on, on seeing that, that your portfolio is not just a, a, an asset, uh, sorry, a, a preservation of wealth portfolio where you have solid assets because that's, that's not producing anything for you. That's making sure that, that you don't lose out in the end. Yeah. Um, you know, you still need to be um, concerned about where the cash flow is coming from. Yeah. So that's why my, my rice mill in Cambodia is, uh, is actually the, the one that's producing the most for me right now because they need to, um, to there's an undercapacity of milling in Cambodia and, and they, ended up, they end up normally exporting their rice over to neighboring countries for them to um, you know, mill and then export. Um, but for us, we're, we're taking that step immediately. So on the chain of events, we're, we're one step ahead there with the rice mill. But um, yeah, that, that's uh, what I would say, Jason, is important. Just, uh, you know, make sure that within your strategy of preservation, you still have some cash flow component. Yeah, and I think that's one of the missing pieces that, that so many Americans, there, there used to be that safeguard. It's, it's, it's just so far past now where you just had a job, you'd have that job, you, you know, you get your pension, you retire, you'd be happy. Right. But you could have done everything right during COVID and had everything taken away from you. If you just had that one place where your money came from completely out of your control, understanding that the world's a changing environment and whether you want to or don't want to, it's going to change and you are going to either roll with it or not. And so there's so many different ways that you can find the ability to make other other income streams right now. I mean, you have anything. I mean, if you was driving in Uber, right? Whatever it is, just to give you another outlet. So if one's taken away, you're not in this position where you say, well, what just happened now? And where do I start, right? And so, and you listen to Daniel, I mean, just, I, I come to these conversations just so open to learn. And I say, if I can take away one thing, I'm like, I'm well ahead. I, I have a whole page of notes here, just about all the different things you're doing that align to take you forward, right? And it just, the way that it, it, it can help so many different people, because you even think about Cambodia, right? So they're they're taking, you know, to, to mill in a different country, right? Well, you bring that back, how many people can that now help to employ or help the resources or help the country, right? It's, it's that chain effect that one thing can do when you see, the, these points that are missing in, in any part, right? And that's where disruption happens. You say, this is missing in the chain, but when we get so secular, so focused, just hyper-focused on right in front of us and don't look at the overall picture, I mean, it, it's beautiful to see when, when you're doing a project and that project can help on so many different levels. And, and I, I, there's so many levels that could be helped there. I can't even think of all of them, right? Because you, you have, you know, all these different components that now get put into resources, right? So, but yeah. amazing. I, I love what you're doing. I, I appreciate your time here. And so um, for everyone that wants to, you know, you talked a little earlier about um, Goldhaven. So where where is the best place for them to learn more about you and your story? Yes, um, they can go to the website, um, goldhavenresources.com, and um, uh, you'll find me there and my fellow directors. Um, you'll find our projects there. Uh, we have seven, 251 square kilometers in the Marikunga belt, like I told you. Yeah. Um, very prospective belt. Uh, and the thing is, is our team, I accentuated this before, is always invest in management. Don't get swayed by the project themselves. The management comes first, and then if the project makes sense, then, then you invest in that. Um, but um, our, our 
our team in Santiago, Chile, they are um, world-class, yeah. Uh, Jack Printing comes from Kinross, one of the largest companies of gold miners in the world. Uh, Goldfields, uh, from Goldfields, we got uh, Chris Ford. And Chris Ford was the gentleman who discovered not, not far away from us, a six million ounce deposit. Um, and, um, and that deposit will be producing 350,000 ounces of gold every year at a cash cost of $560 per ounce. So you do the math there, um, you know, the, um, the alpha for, for, for gold fields on that project is very, very high. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so that, that's what we're trying to fashion ourselves against. And, um, you know, uh, but it's, uh, it's up to the drill bit, you know, it's, it's up to the drill bit to discover these things. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I welcome everybody, anyone that wants to reach out to me personally. Uh, my cell phone is, uh, is on the front page of the website, sometimes to my own detriment, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I'm happy to, to chat with anyone with, that has questions or, or needs ideas, you know, for getting into this sector, not particularly Goldhaven and, and uh, but, you know, just some, some point of view uh, for, for entering into gold and silver investments, which most people don't know how, yeah. Um, they know Bitcoin. <laughs> they do, right? They sure do, because it's all the hype right now, right? Yeah. So. Well, Daniel, this has been incredible. Uh, thank you for sharing your story. Uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you, Jason. I hope to do this again. Absolutely. Okay. Everyone listening, thank you. I hope you guys took a ton of notes today. Go back, listen to this. There's so many different ways that you can find a way in your day, in your life to create impact. It just takes that first step of starting. Have a good day. Want to learn exactly how we're finding high profit, cash flow ready multifamily properties off market? Want to find out how to run lightning fast syndications to raise all the capital you need for your next multi-million dollar deal in just a few days? We're breaking down our entire process step by step at a three day event happening June 10th through the 12th called you guessed it, multifamily live. We've done events before, but nothing this massive or this valuable. And for the first time ever, we're going to open the doors and walk you guys through literally every step of what we're doing on our multifamily deals. This is a virtual event, so you don't have to travel or even leave your couch, but spots are limited. Sign up at multifamilyliveevent.com and we'll see you there.